Hello, and welcome to a DM's Guide to Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. I'm your host, Greggy, and every week I talk to you about where I'm at in the Rhyme of the Frostmaiden book. I uh, let you know uh, what went well, what went didn't go so well, uh, what I've changed, and uh, maybe like what I thought of that could change afterwards. I take a look at emails and messages sent to me from listeners, which you can do. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the Greggiest. Or you can send me an email to thegregiest at protonmail.com. And every Sunday night, you can catch my D&D stream of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden on Twitch at twitch.tv slash powerwarriors. All one word with a Z at the end. So this week, uh, for where I am, that's a little difficult because I'm kind of off the beaten path at this point. Uh, I'm a little uh, I'm a little off book. Uh, and this week's... This week's episode is going to be completely off-book stuff. Uh, so if you just want to hear about uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden stuff, uh, you could just tune out on this one because there's nothing, or at least there's very little from the book that's going to be in this episode. So we've been on Chapter 3 for a while now. Uh, I, I've gone over the last two weeks how the, the players uh, kind of ruined my plans for chapter th- the end of Chapter 3 where they... Uh, we're able to kill the Shardland dragon before it could escape, and then loot all the treasure in the, the Dwergar fortress. Very, very much curtailing any reason to hurry back to Ten Towns, uh, or, you know, all of Chapter 4, basically. <laughs> so, uh, wh- where I'm at in the, in the book right now, my idea was, since they have no real urgent rush to get back to Ten Towns, uh, there's a, a couple of ways they might go uh, to get there, and, and so I invented uh, two scenarios, or really I, I invented three scenarios. Three scenarios for uh, choices they might have made. Uh, I had Lady Muzgar come and tell them that uh, the Dwergar has spoken of a, a shortcut from uh, Sunblight to Kelvin's Cairn that they could take and, and, and get back to town in just like three days rather than uh, probably two weeks or so it would take over the mountains and I prepared a big scenario for the end of that uh, and then in case they decided to go over mountain which would take like uh, two weeks or so I prepared two big scenarios and I thought maybe we would roll up once or twice on the, the table and maybe like a, a blizzard would come or something if they went that way uh, but uh, yeah so I, I invented two scenarios for that situation so i'll just go over uh the scenarios i had in mind uh, we'll talk about what i what which one i actually ended up using i guess we'll start with the over mountain scenarios because uh, that's not the ones we ended up using so <laughs> i can go over those a little bit and also just a reminder i have uh five level six characters so uh, my combats may be a little more brutal than your your party would be able to uh withstand or you could adjust them as needs be uh for the first scenario i set up a, a like a mountain pass sort of a map that had a choke point uh with three frost giants behind it sort of i was thinking it's the the only way down it's like a valley leading down out of the mountains the easiest path to go and these uh these frost giants have set up a little uh a little uh trap here for for travelers they had like a like a, a little V of rocks uh, that you would have to get through to get to them. Um, I had one 
a frost giant with a big pile of rocks, boulders that he could throw at the party, and then uh, two other frost giants that might rush up and attack whoever uh, whoever is running forward or whatever. Of course, it would have been possible. Maybe the uh, the party uh, fi- finds a way to negotiate with them or something. But my centaur player is super anti frost giant, like. A frost giant killed her father or something, so uh, she is she is always going to fight frost giants if she ever comes across them. And we haven't had a lot of frost giants in the campaign so far, so I thought I would put some in here uh, for a big battle. Uh, which, feel free to, to use if you'd like, uh, no problem, all yours. Uh, then, for my second overlanding, big planned overland encounter... Uh, I this was a non-combat one that I had planned uh, so a young silver dragon and silver dragon wormling named Yomandi and Arnadrek uh, would be very happy to meet the party uh, and would like to know their stories and any historical fun facts they may, might know about uh, you know where they came from or things like that uh, and I, I put in that they could be talked into carrying the party to the ten towns if they can tell the uh, dragons some very interesting tales. Uh, this would have been a, a great moment for uh, RP, like, uh, you know, just improvising, like, like let the players uh, come up with, you know, crazy historical stories the off the tops of their heads. If your players are the kinds that would find that very fun to do, uh, you could definitely include this basically anywhere in the ten towns maybe not over by where that big white dragon lives uh but uh, anywhere in the mountains i would think you'd be able to put these these silver dragons in to uh you know to just come and, and talk to your players for fun and th- these two are definitely going to appear uh at some point in the the campaign in the future i, I liked this setup too much not to uh not to toss it in at some time when they when they go to talk to the Reghead or something like that, there'll be some journey where they meet these dragons on the way. Uh, for the Underdark, I actually, uh, I just Googled train features of the Underdark looking for like uh, little vignettes that I could use uh, because Lady Muscart told the party there was a, a, a tunnel that could uh, take them from Sunblight to Kelvin's Cairn in three days, but uh, it hasn't been used for uh, quite some time because... Uh, scouts heading in that direction never come back. They haven't heard back from the the dwarves there on quite some time, and uh, so they just stopped using the passageway. Especially since Zardarak uh, kind of went mad and, and uh, didn't trust the, uh, the the Tin Towns dwarves anymore. So I just searched uh, on Google for terrain features of the Underdark, and I found this great uh, post on Reddit for the Out of the Abyss campaign. Uh, Terrain features for part one, encounters added. Uh, This is a a part of uh, Out of the Abyss where players are are going to the Underdark and there are some just little vignettes in this this section that I used uh, one up per day as they were going through on their way to the big big encounter that I I, uh, invented. Uh, so just some samples. I'll, I'll tell you about the ones I used. Let's see. I used uh, day three. The terrain begins to slope upwards in roughly a helix-like pattern, starting narrow and slightly widening as you go. You almost feel like you are traveling up the inside of a tree's roots. 
And then the other one was uh, mostly kind of inspired by uh, one of the prompts on here. When a path opens up onto a narrow cliffside that runs up the side of the wall, which you travel up, you can look down into an empty ravine. You hear sparks coming from somewhere below, but can't see the source. Uh, so I, I just said that there was a... Uh, uh, you could hear the sounds of like uh, deep gnomes below. It seems to be some sort of a battle, a pitched battle is going on down there with uh, a lot of magic going off and, and things like that. And uh, I think someone was even able to tell that there was uh, a beholder down there. So nobody uh, got the urge to, to head down that way. Um, but in this in this Reddit post by user Flacon-X... Uh, there's a ton of really great Underdark in encounter or just terrain descriptions uh, that you can use uh, anytime you need to send your players to the Underdark. It's really cool, a really well done post. Uh, so I'm going to put a link to that in the uh, episode description for this episode. So you can check it out if you ever want to send your players to the Underdark. Uh, but finally, they came to a big underground lake. Uh, over which is a stone bridge uh, covered in blood, of course. Uh, <laughs> and in in the lake was an abolith, uh, like a, a toothy, uh, tendril, tentacly uh, lake monster that lives forever and uh, has eternal memories and the ability to charm humanoids uh, and, and uh, lair actions and legendary actions and all... All the difficult, uh, all the difficult stuff uh, that you can find on a big boss. Uh, so I put the abolith in there. Again, uh, you can adjust this uh, however you need to. I think there's a reduced threat abolith out there somewhere. You can maybe use that instead if you needed to. There is a grell, a hidden grell up in the ceiling uh, nearby the abolith's uh, lake. Uh, there was uh, two dwergar and two. Uh, dwarven warriors that were previously charmed by the Abolith uh, that were kind of worshipping it uh, at Lakeside uh, and there was a hidden roper uh, that the party didn't see uh, very far to the north so of course they get to the bridge uh, the dwarves uh, tell them they, they, must, they must come and worship the old one with them uh, the players aren't into it <laughs> They're walking forward to try and talk it out with the dwarves a little better. And on the way, they get attacked by the Grell, uh, which rouses the Abolith from the lake, who, who comes and uh, tries to blow them off of the bridge into the water and succeeds on, on many people. And then uh, a few rounds later, after they've after they've killed the Grell, got the Abolith almost all the way down, the, the dwarves are decimated, uh, the Roper... Uh, slowly slinks down and, and joins the, the the fray. A very fun, frenetic fight where you know people were getting blown off the bridge and uh, getting diseased by the abolith, and uh, it, it tried to charm people and was not able to, and and you know struck them with tentacles and stuff. The the grell and the roper were pulling people around and stuff. Uh, a, a very fun fight for my party. Uh, a, a difficult fight. I don't think anybody... I mean, a, a couple of people... Uh, they, they, they had one big success where uh, Billy, uh, who is a, their their connection to the Order of Elia and the Ten Towns and a druid, 
a second level druid, uh, was able to get off a fairy fire on the Abolith at the very beginning of the battle, and that kind of like that kind of made the whole thing, you know, uh, much easier than it would have been otherwise. Very very clutch, uh, clutch work from Billy. Uh, the funny thing is, Velen was there with them as well, and the my party has not trusted Velen one bit from the beginning. I didn't even give her like undead kobolds to begin with, because I was thinking, oh man, they are really not going to trust this character. And you know, truth be told, they did not. So one of her kobold companions got killed during the battle, and she raised it as an undead kobold, and the party was not happy about that at all even though it was on their side and helping them but she was just missing she was whiffing every attack uh kind of making the the paranoia of the party a little higher uh but those are the encounters i i invented for the two ways to get back to the 10 towns uh either could be i mean even if your players don't ruin <laughs> the end of uh, chapter three and skip chapter four uh you could use those encounters on your way back I, I guess I, I'll just share like a, a Google Doc of my tiny bit of uh, uh, prep for these two encounters. That is like almost nothing. You, you'll need you'll need this this talk on the on the podcast to make any sense of it. But I'll put the doc into the description as well, so that maybe you can use it if if uh, if you need to. So after those encounters, uh, that was the the prep that I did for this session. We have to go back a little bit. So when they were looting the treasure, uh, they they found the Gorgon statue that causes temporary madness. And uh, two of my players looked at it and uh, gained temporary madness. Although uh, Selkie uh, critically failed his, his first try. Yeah, so he, he had this temporary madness for quite a while. Uh, and, and Lamont got the so so selkie's temporary madness was uh the the paranoia one i'm convinced the powerful enemies are hunting me and their agents are everywhere i go i'm sure they're watching me all the time uh so this is not too far off from selkie's character in the first place he's got two different uh secrets uh where like people are looking for him uh in one fashion or another Uh, so this this paranoia this madness uh, was was a good fit for this character story-wise. A very interesting uh, role on the, the, the table there. Lomance was uh, the drunk one. Let's see. Being drunk keeps me sane was the one that Lomant got. But that didn't help Selkie, who set his sights on Velen and, uh, you know, z- spent many a lot of time on the trip through the Underdark uh, asking her questions about her past and where she's from. Uh, I mean, she's from Luskin in the first place, uh, which is is set off some alarm bells in his head because he he was born in Luskin. He asked her uh, where where she was from originally. She said, "Well, I was born in Kalimshan, just something I made up uh, to to help feed his paranoia, uh, <laughs> because he was you know I knew he was paranoid, and uh, I thought it would be funny to uh, uh, stoke those flames, and it turned out to be in its way." So Selkie decided that Velen uh, was there. She was uh, an agent of the Pasha. She was there to kill him and his friends. Uh, and he had to do do something about it. So after the big battle with the Abolith, uh, dwarves, they, they opened up the, the, 
the chained off doorway leading to Kelvin's cairn and uh, met up with dwarven miners who uh, invited them since they cleared up this passageway that has been troubling them for quite some time they offered to let them stay in their mining camp uh, in the in the mines uh, overnight and in uh, start their journey to the ten towns in the morning uh, they took the dwarves up on that uh, while they were sleeping in the the bunks in their mining uh, cavern that they've got set up there the dwarves uh, Selkie woke up in the in the middle of the night while everyone else was asleep and very stealthily uh, he went over to Velen's her her pack and took her uh, wizards spell book out of the pack I'm not sure if Velen is technically a wizard in the in the uh, the book uh, but I, I just went with that and in my writing of it because you know this was a fun a fun idea that Selkie had he took her her wizard's book her wizard spell book and uh, he said is there like a bottomless pit nearby where I could where I could get rid of this spell book forever now earlier in the night before everyone fell asleep uh, there was a kobold zombie hanging out because uh, Velen had, had, had turned this zombie and uh, she's a necromancer and, and is able to keep her zombies for quite some time. The, the party was disgusted by this kobold uh, zombie and, and asking her how long she was planning to keep it and stuff. And she, you know, trying to curry favor with the party was like, oh, yes, if it, if it makes you uncomfortable, of course I can get rid of it. Uh, zombie, go... Uh, find uh, the, the, the nearest uh, bottomless pit in this mine. It must be full of them. Go find the nearest bottomless pit and uh, jump down it, please, uh, zombie. Uh, they, they thought this was a very callous way to get rid of zombies, of course. Uh, just having a, a dead kobold body, previously zombified kobold body, uh, in the room where you're trying to sleep probably wouldn't have been great either. But this was a very callous way to get rid of uh, a kobold, especially since my party... Uh, all loves kobolds quite a lot. So uh, her her decision to do that earlier made Selkie's uh, survival check to, to to follow it to find a bottomless pit to throw this book down uh, much easier. It all went together so well. Uh, it was like a it was like a pre-written story or something that we had come up with like, together ahead of time or something. It just all dovetailed perfectly in that you know in that very magical way that can sometimes happen in D and D. So Selkie followed the zombie's trail. He had some flammable oil in his pack that he poured on the book, set it on fire, threw it down the pit. Uh, I said, as it falls down, it does illuminate uh, the corpse of a, of a kobold on a ledge uh, a little bit down the, the side of the, the bottomless pit here. But you, you never hear the, uh, the, the spell book land or, or splash or anything like that. And you can't see the the fiery light at the bottom of the uh, the pit here. So Velen is now basically defenseless, uh, and they go to leave uh, the the mine in the next morning. She doesn't notice because he traded out uh, her spell book with uh, a, a different book that he had picked up, the Lost Spine of Netheril. Uh, so he, he swapped those out. They go to leave the next morning, and uh, as soon as he gets out of sight of the dwarves, Selkie. Uh, throws his dagger at Valen. He, he yells to his friends, she's, uh, she's an enemy agent here to kill us. We must, uh, we must stop her now. Uh, of course, she this, uh, throws them into initiative. Valen is very confused 
and and shouts out, "No, no, I'm 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 here to help, to hire you, to take me to uh, find the codicil of the white." But Selkie, uh, he he did he did make his temporary madness save that morning, but he doesn't know that he was like temporary temporarily mad, and all those decisions and thoughts he had while he was so paranoid. Uh, all seemed to sort of still make sense to him in, in their own way. You know, things did kind of add up in a way, and, and she is acting uh, pretty shady. Uh, so he decided to still go with that plan and attack her. And the, that, you know, the initiative order kind of had the party, uh, you know, taking sides. Like, it, do I am I going to go for this, or am I going to back Selkie up, or am I going to try and stop him? What am I going to do? Within one round, uh, Velen was dead. Her her living kobold companion had run off and abandoned her, yelling out, oh, the money isn't worth it. Uh, yeah, Velen uh, was passed away, and one of my characters, one of my players, uh, said, oh, well, I understand you, you did what you felt you had to do, but this is not something I... Killing someone in cold blood is not something I can have any part of when we get back to the Ten Towns. I'll be taking my leave of the party. Uh, thank you for your help so far. Nobody was mad about it. They weren't mad about it, but they just wanted to uh, retire that character and come back with one uh, more morally neutral than, uh, you know, good as that character was. So a very successful, very fun session. Uh, I, I loved it. I had so much fun running that battle. Uh, with the, all the movement and all the different uh, things that went off, uh, using those cool descriptions that I found on Reddit, you know, the, 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 the temporary madness paying off in such a game-changing way, uh, it, was, it was awesome. I would say, altogether, all uh, maybe one of the best sessions I've had in the, the campaign so far, and really fun to run. It seemed like the, the players were having an, an excellent time. Just what you're looking for in a game of D&D. Things that didn't work. I mean, I I always have a hard time, you know, making the players come up with a watch order and, and going through perception checks and stuff like that when I don't really plan to have an encounter that night. Uh, I always feel bad about that. But, I mean, it's, it's a part of the game. And you have to have checks where nothing happens so that the checks where something does happen... Uh, aren't as obvious that that's, you know, that's what it's going to be. Uh, those The encounter worked great. The the aftermath of uh, finding the the Gorgon statue went great. You know, the players don't have Velen to lead them, but before she died, she did tell them about Professor Scant and the Co Codicil of the White that are on uh, Oriel's Island. So I think that that's on the player's radar. They're going to be heading that way very soon. I'm not 100% sure what my players are going to be doing the next session. Uh, they've got some clues to go speak to uh, the, the Snow Leopard Reghead tribe that I invented for our game. And I've got a bunch of stuff playing for that if they decide to do that. They know they need to go to Oral's Island very soon and uh, find the Codicil of the White and find Professor Scant and maybe deal with Oral while they're there. And they've, they've got the, the Shield Guardian amulet so they might try to go to Karkalak or something uh you know they've got clues of a lot of different places to go 
and possibilities, but I don't know exactly which one they're going to choose. So that'll be interesting to find out tonight or, or tomorrow night when I when I play D&D with them. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure exactly what's up next. Uh, but one, one way or another, we're going to be moving into Chapter 5 because Chapter 4 is uh, is toast for my campaign. Uh, which sucks because that would have been a, a good thing to talk about with all of you. You know, go over that uh, with, with you all, uh, how that went and stuff. But I'm just not going to get a chance to. I'm fast forwarding. They speed, speed ran through uh, Chapter 4. So sorry about that. If, if you've got any uh, tips or tricks or uh, ideas for Chapter 4, feel free to send them in or let me know if you'd like to come on the podcast and talk about them uh, because I don't have anything. I'm, I'm shot for that chapter. <laughs> but we'll be moving on to Chapter 5 very soon. And as always, I mean, even if it's not Chapter 4, if you just want to talk about your game, uh, if you have any questions, any uh, comments about the podcast, anything like that, feel free to get a hold of me. You can find me on Twitter at the Greggiest. You can send me an email to thegregiest at protonmail.com. And if you want to see me run a game, not the best place to get a hold of me to talk about your campaign or anything like that, since I'm actively DMing a, a, a game when I'm on stream. But if you want to see me DM, you can always go to twitch.tv slash powerwarriors, all one word with a Z at the end. And uh, we stream from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Sunday nights, every Sunday, except for Mother's Day, I guess. We didn't do it last week. Uh, you can find me on there. Uh, or, I mean, you could go there and just follow and uh, get a notification when uh, when we go live on Sundays. Hope to hear from, from you soon. Uh, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Or next time, I should say. On a DM's Guide to Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Bye-bye.